The following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Hello, and welcome everyone to Always Another Way. My name is Marina Sprocky Spriggs, and I'm your host. I have a master's in professional counseling. I am the Ippy Award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life. I'm also the author of Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the HuffPost, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to outside-of-the-box thinkers and open-minded individuals. And it also speaks to people who hear the call of hope in always another way. And if you're very rigid and set in your beliefs, then this might not be your cup of tea. However, you should note that taste can and do change. And another way is not always about doing what everyone else is doing. And it's opening yourself up to something different and maybe something you don't even know about. And I want to tell you a story about when I was 27, um, my husband and I had decided that we wanted a child together. And I already had two children from a previous marriage. And so figuring I know how it works, you know, we went on our trying. And I got pregnant very quickly, but it ended up being what's called a missed miscarriage. So that's when you um, see a heartbeat at the beginning and then you don't see one, but the body doesn't naturally, um, naturally um, expose or expel the baby. So after that, it was taking a while. I decided, um, well, I'm older. I should go to a fertility doctor. So we find a fertility specialist, you know, run all the lab tests, tells me, well, here's the deal. You have this low AMH number, which pretty much means you have like the eggs of a 47 year old woman, zero to no good ones left, and you'll never get pregnant without a donor egg. So, okay. And then a friend of mine's like, no, 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 I, I don't like that guy. Go somewhere else. So I go somewhere else where he's like, well, you know, this is true, your lab results. However, you just need one egg so we can try some things. And meanwhile, as I'm doing that, I'm also just kind of researching on the side. I've heard that people do acupuncture for fertility. So I'm just like, well, what else is there? So I find a place that does acupuncture for fertility. I start going there and then start reading about uh, traditional Chinese medicine and, you know, cold hands, cold feet, cold womb. So I'm, I'm doing different things and putting my feet in hot water and on heating pads and, you know. So we do one round of injects, so the medical, you know, fertility injectables, and it doesn't work. And the next month, I had won an award for this book, and so I had to travel to New York. We couldn't do the, you know, the test you're supposed to do. So I continued on with my, you know, more acupuncture Chinese medicine methods, and I'm waiting for my period to come. 
then it doesn't come, which normally you're like, oh, wait, no, that's, that's good when you want to get pregnant. So, you know, here we are. She just turned six on Valentine's Day. So that doctor was wrong, which means there's even more of another way to do things. And when I think back just about, you know, my journey in having children and what I thought was the way, you know, just this one model, that's what people do, you know, it's what everybody I knew did. And then the people that were doing things another way, it was a little, you know, I know I like hippie stuff, but, you know, scary. Because, you know, what if the baby explodes and dies? Uh, not in the hospital. Even though I guess they were all born not in the hospital a long time ago, but I, you know, disconnect. I didn't think that. So the female body is more than just having babies. And I'm very excited to introduce you to my next guest. She is super cool and knows all about the female body. It is Dr. Kate Namas. And she... Oh, I've got to get your bio. I'm not on here. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm freezing. Will you tell me about yourself bio? I lost it. To tell you about myself. So I went to a women's college in Massachusetts. I have a degree in biochemistry. After that, I worked in a molecular biology lab for a year. Then I went to Bastyr, which is a naturopathic medical school in Seattle, Washington. And that is a four-year postgraduate degree. And then in addition, while I was at Bastyr, I also did a midwifery degree. So I was there for six years. And when I graduated, I moved to Oregon and did a residency in Southern Oregon, which is where my family is from. And then after that, we lived in San Francisco for a short time. And now we have been in Texas for almost eight years, and the practice has been open for a little over seven. Thank you. You You're did welcome. that so much better than <laughs> what I did not copy and paste onto my notes. And I would have mispronounced that college, too. I know that for a fact. So let's dive in a little further. What is, you know, tell us first, what is naturopathy for people who don't know? So naturopathy is a primary healthcare profession that emphasizes prevention of disease and also promotion of optimal health rather than just treating disease once it's there. We really want to prevent it if at all possible and we want to promote optimal health, just not the absence of disease. And we use dietary supplements, nutrition, exercise, proper sleep, stress management techniques, physical medicine, and as well as prescription medicines when appropriate to be, bring people back into balance. I love that. Yeah. And what a, you know, what a different way to look at it rather than just the disease model. Right. Is because you don't want to just be disease free. Right. You, you want to thrive. Thrive and flourish. Yes, That's exactly. Right. And then um, the next thing, what is midwifery? Okay. So midwifery, um, it's a woman-centered empowerment model of maternity care is how I look at it. Um, we're trained professionals with expertise in supporting women to maintain healthy pregnancies, have safe unmedicated births when it's appropriate, and then optimal postpartum recovery. And in my practice, I really combine those two. I combine that women-centered empowerment model of care, and I practice naturopathy. I love that. I wish I would have known you like <laughs> 15 years ago. I wish I had known you. <laughs> man, man, but I'm not having any more babies. <laughs> right. But I've got the rest of my yes. whole body to go. Right. And so, but before we get to that, you know, 
because I didn't really know about these things. Like I just kind of heard of them, but you know, what, what kind of led you down that path of like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this way. So I wanted to be a river rafting guide and a forest ranger. That sounds fun too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that really wasn't going to happen in my family of origin. <laughs> and so I, when I was at this women's college, I decided to have a degree in biochemistry because that was the closest thing I could find to botany at my school. Um, and when I was in my last year in medical school, um, well, let's step back. When I was a sophomore in college, I got quite sick and had to leave on medical leave. Mm -hmm. So I came back to college after I'd been out of school for almost a year. And during that time, I drastically changed my diet. I saw an acupuncturist. I was going to chiropract chiropractors. All of those things helped me much more than mainstream medicine. So that probably planted the seed a little bit. Um, and then um, my sister, who was living in Seattle, Washington at the time, uh, sent me an email and said, hey, there's this really cool school in Seattle, Washington, and I know you want to be a forest ranger and a river rafting guide, and that's not going to happen, but they have botanical medicine, and you could be a doctor like mom and dad want. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, my 19-year-old mind trying to kind of figure out how to fit all these things together. And then I did apply to regular medical school, and I applied to naturopathic medical schools, and I worked in that molecular biology lab for a year while I was doing it and talked to doctors every day and really just realized that I wasn't a good fit for mainstream medicine, the way I looked at the world, the way I looked at health. Um, and that's how I chose Best Year. Love that. Yeah. That is so cool. And mm -hmm. to even know that there are options out there. Right. That sometimes if you just think, like, I think differently, hmm, I'm the odd duck. Right. But you are not. Right. There are other people that think differently as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, so you, you go down this path, mm -hmm. you go through, you start it. And in your journey of the people you've seen, tell us a little bit about some amazing things that you have seen that maybe somebody's like, I don't know this is possible with yeah. without, you know, the ABC path. Yep. So I wanted to touch on one thing you said earlier, which is women's health is not just pregnancy, and that's absolutely true. And I really specialize in women's health in the reproductive years, whether or not they want to have a child. So any sort of menstrual disorder, polycystic ovarian syndrome, severe menstrual pain, endometriosis, uterine fibroids, infertility, all of those things I have seen in clinical practice benefit from holistic medicine. Um, I would say that some of my best cases in the last seven years have been women who have been, I can think of one client in particular, she had been trying to conceive for eight years and um, she and her husband had tried naturally for about six and then they decided to go to a fertility specialist. She had polycystic ovarian syndrome and um, she did multiple rounds of um, Clomid and IUIs and failed, as they say, mm. um, those and did not become pregnant and was quite devastated afterwards sure. um, and didn't respond well to the medication. So they didn't really want to move forward with any other medication. And she came to me and within a year, she was healthier than she'd ever been and was into her first trimester of pregnancy and now has a healthy child. Um, so we just have cases like that all of the time. It's pretty inspiring. Yeah, that's, I mean, absolutely amazing what the body can do and to see it firsthand. And just to know if there's one, there's more than one. 
Right. And then absolutely. And my thing. And then what about well, not just but the um, anybody for the later in life stuff. So for oh, so like perimenopause, older ladies. <laughs> yes. So I don't focus a lot on perimenopause here, just because um, in Texas, naturopaths are not licensed as primary care doctors. Mm. Texas doesn't license us. So there are about half the states in the country that do and half that don't. And the southern states are not the states that license. Figures. <laughs> um, but there's still a lot we can do to help people. Mm -hmm. um, and But perimenopause, a lot of times women are looking for hormone replacement therapy or bioidentical hormones, and I can't do that in Texas. So I don't spend a ton of time on that, but I still have a handful of women um, at any given time that are going through perimenopause and know that they don't want to do any sort of hormone therapy. And those are a great fit for me. And a lot of times women are um, experiencing hot flashes, extreme anxiety, and those are symptoms that within three to six months can resolve just with simple things like diet, exercise, and a few dietary supplements. I mean, isn't that amazing? And yeah. you just don't pollute your body with... right. What you don't know and right. where it goes and long-term yeah. effects. But I also think it's important to um, normalize the fact that menopause is normal. Right. It's not something that we need to prevent. It's not a disease. Um, and I think a lot of women are afraid to go through menopause. And I'm a 39-year-old woman. I haven't done that yet. But um, we're not meant to be fertile forever. And we are meant to go through that transition. And so sometimes just helping women to understand that this is normal and a part of the process of being a woman just like we went through puberty now we're going through the other end of puberty instead of being afraid that we're losing what is a value you know we place so much value on being young and we we call young beautiful and we call young sexual and just kind of reframing that for women i think is also really important I absolutely love that. That's really cool. And then I think you also mentioned, I'm going to side, about just libido in yes. general. You know, what's Sex can, is one of my favorite topics. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how we all got here, <laughs> and it's fun, yes. and what makes the world go round, and not not a bad, dirty thing right. at all, <laughs> but a beautiful thing. Yes. And um, so, and, you know, people don't like to talk about that either, mm -hmm. because, you know. Sex. Right. Cancer. <laughs> But um, but so what about what can what can people do? You know, right? So I think that people, women especially, have this idea that um, libido or sex drive is going to go down significantly after we have children. And honestly, if you don't pay a lot of attention to it and don't do a lot about it, your libido does often drop after you have children. But um, normalizing menstrual cycles and really paying attention to all of the different hormones at play in the menstrual cycle has a big impact on our libido. Of course, there's the mental emotional aspect, but we won't go there today. Um, and oftentimes just by um, normalizing the menstrual cycle with certain herbs that are known to enhance female fertility, within a month or two, women are having much better libido, wanting to have sex with their husband more often, and their husband's coming in and be like, she needs more of that. Give her more of that. They're very <laughs> excited. Um, but I also think that um, women aren't aware of when their sex drive is usually the highest during their 
monthly cycle. And sometimes they're like, oh, my libido is so low. But as they start charting their cycles and paying attention to their cycles, they notice that there's a rhythm every cycle and that we're often more libidinous when right before we ovulate. Um, and then after we ovulate, sometimes our libido drops and that's pretty normal. So again, normalizing like, yes, you should have and want to have sex prior to ovulating for obvious reasons. And you should be inspired to do so and your body should stimulate you to do it. But after you ovulate, your libido may be lower the rest of the month and helping women to know that as well, then they can monopolize on that good week. Right. <laughs> so it's it's improving libido, but also kind of explaining to them how how our libido works every menstrual cycle. That is just, it's so cool. And just so many things to know that, you know, you're just such a, a wealth of information that you wouldn't know that there's <laughs> things to know right. unless you know. And then right now I'm going to mention it again. Um, and her website has just like, I mean, everything you could want to know information at uh, Namas ND. So I'm just going to spell it because I can give you an easier one. Oh, please. Okay. It's drkatedallas.com. There we go. So drkate dallas.com. Better yet. <laughs> and then while we're talking here, anything else you just kind of want to say about what you do in your practice before I see yeah. the things that you do another way? Give us some more good scoop that we don't know. Hmm. I'm trying. I think one call I get a lot is, um, "Can you help with menstrual pain?" And I think that a lot of women think that having severe menstrual pain is normal. Um, and it's not, and there's definitely something to be done other than the birth control or removing your uterus. So give me a call. There's lots to be done. Right. Um, and then um, the other one that I get asked about a lot is um, like, how would I say it? I get asked about advanced maternal age and fertility. Oh, yes. Um, so... Normally, we say that's after 35, and I think that there's a lot of hope for women um, of advanced maternal age to get pregnant naturally, and sometimes when the fertility specialist, just like in the situation you were saying, when your AMH is low or your antral follicle count is low or they say that you're, you have poor ovarian reserve, reserve, you may actually be a better candidate for natural medicine than you are for assisted reproductive technology art because of how those medicines work to enhance fertility. So sometimes when you get a dead end with a reproductive specialist, the natural way is a better option. Yeah, I believe it because it worked. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was not it was not a medicine after right. I mean in all the low numbers of right you know, doom. <laughs> right. And there's real science behind that, which mm -hmm. is probably too detailed for this. But part of those numbers are saying you're not going to respond well to stimulation of medication, which is a very different scenario than responding to improving egg quality of the eggs that you have left. Right. And, yeah. I, and I got a good egg. Yeah. She's like six <laughs> super smart. <gasps> so being in that, so you found your another way path. Mm -hmm. And so I know you're probably just always another way. Can you tell us about just other things you do another way that aren't necessarily that? Yes. Yeah. My husband was like, uh, you do everything another way. <laughs> um, I would say I always go to bed by eight, sometimes at the very latest, 830. Um, I don't wear tampons. Um and I advise other women not to. <laughs> and um, I put my menstrual blood on my plants outside, and they grow really, really well. 
Okay, so I'm going to dive just like a second deeper yes. into that very last one. So the uh, <laughs> so I like the another way and um, you know the the no tampons. I know why because mm-hmm. some model just came out and said she got like toxic shock, right. shock syndrome, like leg amputated, mm-hmm. and sometimes so, they increase menstrual cramps too. Yeah, danger. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but then the the blood plants. Right. Well, I, I had, I have had heavy periods forever, which is why I can be very empathetic with my clients. And I thought, this is so sad. This is such a waste. It's such healthy, beautiful blood. It should be doing something good instead of like going on a plastic pad that goes into a landfill. Right. Oh, and so yeah. there are these beautiful things called diva cups and they collect your menstrual blood and then you can just take it out and put it on your garden. Coolness. And, and do you find those plants are more vibrant? They're gorgeous. I bet they are. Yes. I bet they are. That is so cool. So, Diva Cup, water your plants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's another way. Well, thank you so very much. And drkatedallas.com. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's always another way. <laughs> <laughs>